Thank you, team. See you in a little bit when we conclude service here. Well, good morning. It is good to be together once again. Good to see you all out there. We have been in a series called All Things New, and we've talked about new life. We've talked about having a new start. We've talked about new relationships. And today, we're going to talk about new habits or new patterns in our lives. First, I want to jump into the scripture that we've been kind of jumping off each week here, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Amen. Anybody testify to that? A new life has begun in him. Now, if you notice in this scripture, it says we, we know him. It doesn't say anything about knowing about Jesus, although knowing about Jesus is a really good thing. We want to have knowledge about him and, and who he is and what he did and what he's continuing to do, but, but knowing about him is not enough. We must truly come to know him in a life-changing way, in a, having a, a heart relationship, a personal relationship with him. To, to illustrate that, let me put it this way. I've got a picture of somebody that I could say I know. Can we put that first picture up there? His name is Tim Hawkins. You might have heard of him. Um, maybe there's not a picture of him, but, but Tim Hawkins was here a couple different times and got to meet him. There we are. See, I got a selfie with him. That means I know him, right? He even let me ride his Segway around the church. I mean, come on. How? But I could say I know him. I've met him. We had a little bit of dialogue. I could tell you lots of stats. I could honestly probably even recite some of his jokes, although I'm not going to go there this morning. But you would all know and say that, no, Joel, you probably know about him. You don't really know him. Now, the second picture is somebody that I really know. We talk about a heart relationship, about really knowing somebody. <laughs> Maybe. There we go. My incredibly better half, better three-quarter, better seven-eighths, better 15 sixteenths, whatever she is. But when I talk about knowing her, that's a completely different story, right? I know her because there's 30 plus years of relationship there. You know, there's, there's that intimate knowledge, that intimate relationship with her. And so when we talk about knowing Jesus, that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that relationship where there's, there's truly knowing him at a heart level. And everything in our lives rises or falls on the status of that relationship with Jesus. It's that relationship with Jesus that makes all things new that we've been talking about these last weeks. But sometimes, though, we, we might have said yes to Jesus, maybe recently, maybe a long time ago, and we're in that new relationship with him, but to be honest, sometimes maybe all things don't feel new. Sometimes that can be because of our past. Maybe there's, maybe there's been things from our our growing up, our early years, recent years, whatever, but there, there's, there's past that we have a hard time letting go of, and so maybe we don't feel new because of that. 
Maybe there's some, certain, maybe there's some pain that we're currently walking in. And, and that pain is, is significant enough that it's hard to feel new because of that. But what I wanna focus on today, probably more than the other two, is sometimes we don't feel new because of certain patterns or habits in our lives. We've said yes to Jesus. We've, we've entered into that relationship with him. We desire for him to make all things new, but yet we keep going back into these same patterns, these same habits, and it just doesn't feel like anything is new. But let me tell you, you're not changed by the way you feel. You're made new and changed by your faith in God, by our faith in God. That's what makes us new through the power of the Holy Spirit who now lives in you. You don't have to be driven by your feelings. You can, you can choose to live by the truth of God's word, the facts that come from his words, and then measure our feelings based upon that. Because the truth of God's word says that when we are made new, our past, our pain, and our patterns or our habits are dealt with. They're, o- they're over. And that can be a, an, an instantaneous thing, but it's also a progression, Right? Just like our surrender to the Lord. We surrender at a given moment in time, but we continue to surrender over and over again. So his his goodness, his faithfulness is enough to break that past, the pain, and our patterns. And most of us today, we might nod our heads in agreement. We understand that. We believe it. Um, But some may not believe in, in their heart. It's easy to believe up here, but sometimes truly grasping that, truly getting it, doesn't quite get to our hearts. We might think, I I believe God can forgive my past and heal my pain, but then we go home and we go right back into the same old patterns, the same old habits that lead to, to dismay and to destruction and depression and all those things. You know there are all kinds of addictions and habits that are flourishing these days in our culture, right? So many things that, are trying to, to, that we're trying to use to medicate, to fill that void that we talk about that only Jesus can fill. Ephesians 4 says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. We're told to throw off these things because when we're being controlled by these, these things, these patterns, these habits, we're bound and we're in prison. It's really deception by the enemy, right? And we've got to get rid of them and not just rationalize them or, or manage them, but we truly need to get rid of them. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. By your free will, by our free will, by my free will, we surrender to the Holy Spirit who's now living in us and we choose to let go and to to truly give it up, to not keep hanging on it, hanging on to it, but give it up because we've got to get to that point where we can no longer tolerate it where enough's enough, and it's time to throw it off. 
Ephesians 4, 22 and 23 says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Do you know the Holy Spirit has the power to clean you up? He's got the power to clean me up both inside and out. Again, these scriptures here that we've read tells us to throw off, to put off. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there's enough power in the Holy Spirit for us to do that, but we're also active participants in what goes on. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it by ourselves, but yet God is calling us to be an active participant in it. As we choose to surrender to him, as we say yes to Jesus, that power is living inside of us, and we don't have to keep going back to those same habits and those same patterns that drag us down. But we have to make the choice, see? We have to make the choice to throw them off. We have to make the choice to put them off. We have to make the choice to run from those things that would hold us back. Because having new life in Christ does not take away our freedom of choice, but it should change the heart from which our choices are made. So how do we throw off these things? How do we get rid of these patterns, these habits that are in our lives? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm glad I could read your mind and what you were thinking. I want to talk about six steps today. It's like six steps. There's supposed to be three steps in a sermon. Well, I don't get to preach that often, so I'm going to cram six steps into one message, okay? A pastor wants me to shorten it, he'll let me speak more. I don't know, I guess. I don't know. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, but the first five steps that I want to talk about, um, I was reading through preparing for today and found an article by Chuck Lawless. He's a professor and a, a senior associate with the Billy Graham School of, of Missions. And he talked about five steps to conquer habitual sin. And I would even go a little bit further and say, you know, some of the habits that we have, we may not be able to go find a scripture that specifically says this is sin, but the Bible also says that if we do what we know we're not supposed to do, that's sin. And if we don't do what we're supposed to do, that's sin. And there are habits that we can have in our lives that may not be defined as sin in a scripture, but we know that it's bringing destruction in our lives. We know it's keeping us from the good things of God. So as we talk about these things you might be saying, well, the things I struggle with may not be sin. Well, I would say they might be creating barriers between you and God, and that's, none of us want to be there. But the first thing that, that he talks about is to recognize the spiritual warfare element of the struggle. You know, we can so easily get caught up. When I've got a habit, when I've got a sin that I struggle with, something that I don't want in my life, oftentimes we just look at ourselves and like, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep messing up? If I could just change this, if I could just do this, then I'd be able to conquer this. But we need to realize that our battle, you know, the Bible says our battle is against flesh and blood. And that means it's not just against our own flesh and blood. We need to understand that there is an enemy that is trying to drag us down. And we need to understand that when we continue to walk in these patterns and these habits and these, these destructive ways, that there's an enemy oftentimes that's behind it. There's an enemy that, that knows our weaknesses and he wants to, he wants to drag us down. So, we, so we've got to be aware of that. Imagine that there's a, 
a sin line in front of us. You know, there's a line right here that tells me not to go right here because the lights get a little bit darker on my face and you can't see my bright shining smile. So there's this line here. But, but you know, sometimes it's like there's that sin line there and the enemy's just on the other side saying, come on, just a little bit further. Just take one more step and step over that line. And he's crafty. He's sneaky. And the things that we think he would use to draw us over that line aren't usually what he uses. It's a different way. But we've got to be aware of the spiritual warfare that's happening in our lives that's pulling us down, that's continuing to, to return us to those ways that are not of God. So that's the first thing we need to do is recognize that spiritual warfare element. The second thing he says is that we need to pray for God's deliverance before you face the temptation. That's really good. We could just say amen and go home and deal with that on its own. But praying for God's deliverance before you face temptation. You know, I used to, when I did youth ministry, and I've got kids that are, you know, teenagers and young adults now, and we talk about temptations of being in a, a romantic relationship, and we'd say, set boundaries before you start that relationship. Because if you're, if you're with that other person, home alone on a couch, and you haven't set boundaries, who knows what's going to happen? You need to set boundaries ahead of time. And it's the same with the patterns that, that, that come into our lives and that, that plague us is that sometimes we wait till we're in it to start praying for God to help us. And come on, let, we, we're aware enough of ourselves to know the things that might draw us back into those habits, those patterns. So how about we start praying for God to help us before that temptation even comes, Right? Let's ask God to, to maybe put some blinders on so we don't see some things that, that we know we might see going into a, a certain place. Or maybe we're going to, to hang out with some people and there's some things that could come up that we want to stay clear of. And so we pray for God to help us. Maybe he, maybe he directs us for not, for not even going there in the first place, right? So we need to, to be aware enough about the temptations that are gonna come at us that we need to be praying about them before they actually face us. Number three, be honest with somebody about your struggles. One of the greatest tools I think of the enemy is that he convinces us that we're, we're the only one bad enough, we're the only ones dirty enough, we're the only ones sad enough to be doing this and we hold it to ourselves, we keep it to ourselves when if we could just share it with somebody, somebody we can trust, somebody in confidence, somebody that loves us, that begins to break that cycle. It begins to break that pattern of what's going on in our lives. When people come to my office and talk with me about struggles that they're facing, I applaud them because I believe wholeheartedly that them coming to share with me is one of the biggest steps they can take in overcoming whatever that struggle is. And it's not because of me. It's not because I've got all the answers. It's because as we share it, as we get it out in the open, there's community that can help us to walk through it. There's community that can help us to stay clear of that struggle, that habit, that pattern in our lives. The Bible says that we're to, to help each other, to carry each other's burdens. And so when I walk in it by myself, usually I'm a greater target for the enemy, right? Right? 
we've had illustrations here over the years. You know, if there's a, if you look at like how lions hunt, what do they do? They look for the one that's kind of strays away from the pack, right? When we get isolated, when we're by ourselves, that's often when we're most vulnerable. And so we've got to be, we've got to be willing to share with somebody. And if, if you don't have that somebody, pray about that person. Pray about that somebody that you can share that struggle with so that they can come along and support you and, and encourage you. The fourth thing that, that he speaks of is focusing on the glory of Christ. He says, when we're caught in a sin pattern, we keep drinking from the well of sin while thinking that our choices will somehow bring fulfillment, only to discover that sin leaves us thirstier in the long run. Only Christ can satisfy the heart, however, when we see him as the priest who prays for us and the king who is above every power. When we do that, sin will lose its attraction. We've got to focus on the glory of Christ. When you focus on something, you're drawn to it, right? If all I do is focus on my sin, if all I do is focus on my habit, if all I do is think about that, I'm gonna to continue to be drawn to it. You ever try to, you get something in your head and you try to not think about it and the more you try to not think about it, the more you think about it? Like when somebody sings a, a song that you don't like and then it's in your head the rest of the day, you're like, why am I singing the song? I don't even like it. Or when you have a kid in the kid's Christmas program and you play this CD over and over. And, over. and I like those songs. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not. But the more we think about those things, the more we're drawn to it. And it, it's harder to get it out of our head. And so this one seems so simple, but yet it's, it's so very powerful. And that we need to focus on the glory of Christ instead of that struggle that we're dealing with. The fifth step that he says is to repent and rejoice in small victories. Repent and rejoice in small victories. Sometimes we, we don't want to celebrate or we don't want to rejoice until maybe our final goal is met, okay? Maybe my, maybe my pattern is sleeping in and not going to the gym, okay? I'm going to be honest. There aren't very many mornings I wake up and say, man, I'm excited to go to the gym today. No. Pretty much there is no morning that I wake up and think that. But maybe at the beginning, you know, I, maybe the first day I go to the gym, maybe I don't do a whole lot. Maybe I sit there and just talk to people and then check out, you know, 45 minutes later. And I could beat myself up for that, and I probably should, but no, I'm just, but I could also rejoice in the fact that I actually got up and got into the gym that day, right? I could celebrate that small victory. And then maybe the next time, maybe I actually spend five minutes working out and 40 minutes talking. You know, this is a silly example. It doesn't have to necessarily do with sin, but you get the point. If I've got a sin that I'm trying to overcome, maybe I have a small victory. Maybe for one day, maybe for one day I do think God's way and then, then maybe I mess up that next day. Well, you know what? Repent, celebrate that you made it a day and get back up on the horse and start riding again, right? Let's celebrate our victories. Man, we can... 
we can talk down to ourselves so much and we can beat ourselves up so much. We need to celebrate more. We need to celebrate more just in life in general, but, but we need to celebrate not just the big things that God's doing. And, and you, you understand, like big or small, that's all relative. I can think something's big, I can think something's small, but that's only because of my perspective. Everything that God does is big because he's using, us, using it to make things new in us, right? Amen? So everything that he does in us, through us, should be celebrated. And the more we celebrate those things, the better chance we have of making it a little bit longer next time, right? The more I go to the gym and the more I celebrate and the more I start to see results, the more I wanna go there again. The more I celebrate the, thing, the things that God's doing in my life, the more I focus on his glory instead of the sin, the more I wanna go there, the more I wanna be with him, the more I wanna be close to him, and the closer I am to him, the more he breaks those sin patterns in my life and the easier it is to choose not to go there but to go to him. So let's spend some time celebrating those victories that he gives us. Let's not dwell on it when we, when we mess up because it's gonna happen, right? If I make a choice today that I'm giving up this pattern or I'm giving up this habit, guess what? I'm probably gonna mess up. I'm not gonna do it perfect. We don't like to use that word around here, right? Because there's only one that's perfect. So let's celebrate. Let's celebrate those victories. Romans 12, verse two says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you by the way you think. And what does thinking usually control? The way we speak, right? Our thoughts and our words so often go hand in hand. So I would say that verse, we could even talk about the way we think, but also maybe the way we speak. And we've got to fill our hearts and minds with God's word in order to do this so that we can declare his truth, which goes to the sixth point, which is mine and not Chuck's. But I want to share a story with you first. There's a gentleman named Chris, and he was addicted to people's opinions, and from the age of eight to 30, was addicted to pornography and sexual sin. And things finally came to a head as an adult while he was serving in a very trusted position. He finally realized it was time to get honest and get free. He told his wife and then his pastor everything that he was dealing with that he had done. He resigned his position, and he chose a path of restoration that included a mentor. His mentor told him that things people thought and said about him are irrelevant. And he continued, that includes what you think of yourself. What the Bible says about you is everything. It is the difference between life and death. Chris took a job where he worked hard physically. And every morning, very early, he, he would get a piece of paper out He'd search the Bible for any kind, any and every verse that he could to tell him that would talk about who he was in Christ. And he would write them down. He ended up with 71 of them. And for 180 days, he would go to work early, sit in his car, and read these verses over and over. Verses like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am co-heir with Christ. I am God's adopted son in Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. 
by intentionally and regularly filling his heart and mind with the truth of God's word, he put on his new nature. That's how we put on new nature. That's how we throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. He was regularly filling his heart and his mind with declarations from God's word of who he was in Christ. And his testimony declared loudly the truth about the power of God. We don't have to keep living on this spiritual roller coaster, ladies and gentlemen. We don't have to. And whoever's telling you you do is, is feeding you a lie. Am I saying that we're going to be perfect and it's always going to be at a high? No. But we don't have to constantly be on this roller coaster. It's not his plan for our lives. The sixth point is that we have to speak declarations of who we are in Christ to defeat those habits and those patterns that are in our lives. From uh, Craig Groeschel's book, Winning the War in Your Mind, he talks about the replacement principle. We're talking about declarations. He says, the problem that plagues you is a self-destructive habit. Could be ice cream, alcohol, pills, bad relationships. You captured the lie. You believe you need whatever it is to help relieve stress and give you peace. But what's the truth? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That tells me that God has the power to break the things that are heavy on me in my life. And one of the most powerful things that I can do is to declare that with my mouth, to declare it out loud to anybody that'll listen, declare who I am in Christ. You know, this world is really into labels, right? This world likes to take maybe what we've done in the past or what we're dealing with right now and throw a label on us that that's who we are. And God says, that is not who you are. God says, I have created you to be a new creation. I am doing a new work in you. And so I don't want you to live by that old label. I don't want you to live by what other people say about you. I want you to live by who you are in me. And that's why declaring that we are children of God. I am a child of God. Do you know the power that is in that statement? It's not just something that sounds good that we say every once in a while from up here on the platform. No, it is a declaration that has power in it. The power to heal the pain from your past, the power to help you get through a difficult time right now, and the power to break a pattern or a habit that you've been dealing with for years that you're finally willing to say, enough is enough. God, help me. I am your child. I am not intended to walk in this. I am intended to walk in freedom. That's what declaring who God is and declaring who we are in Christ can do for you, can do for me as we walk out our faith. And if there's nothing else you get from today, I want you to get this. I want you walking out that door today declaring who you are in Christ and see what God does in you this week. I want you to look and say, man, this is something, maybe it's a sinful habit. Maybe it's just, maybe it's eating a ice cream, which I don't know that eating ice cream is a sin. If it is, I'm in big trouble. But 
Maybe it's just something you need to stop. But the reality is, is we need the power of God to do that. And so we need to declare it. We need to say enough's enough. I'm done with this. I'm moving forward. I'm gonna declare who I am in Christ. And I'm gonna walk away from this sinful pattern, this sinful habit, this destructive thing in my life that keeps bringing me down. Do you know what John 8, 36 says? You know what it says, you just might not know the reference. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You are free indeed, right? Anybody else here wanna be free indeed? Anybody other than me? I wanna be free. And so as pastor often says, we need to switch from praying the take it prayers to I give you prayers, right? And that's the act of participation I'm talking about. Because I, I don't, I don't want to make any, I don't want you to misunderstand. We cannot fix ourselves, okay? I want everybody to understand. We cannot fix ourselves. But I need to make the choice to surrender myself and everything within me to God and then make the choice to say, God, what do you want me to do? What do I need to do to walk away from this pattern? If this is the, the line of sin, and I've said this in years past in different messages, why do we feel like we have to get so close to the line without going over? How close can I get to it? How much comfort can I bring myself? How much feel good can I get without stepping into sin? Instead of saying, no, I make the choice because I surrender completely to God. I'm gonna back away from it as far as I can so that I live for him and not for myself. Do you know that God still does miracles today? And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the physical miracles, although he can do those and he does those that we like want to see with our eyes right in front of us. I'm talking about miracles from the inside out. The same God that can do miracles that we can see tangibly, physically, I believe wants to do even more miracles in us and through us. Because if he does that miracle of releasing me from a habit or a pattern that's sinful and destructive, man, what does that unleash me to do as a fully surrendered servant of God? How many lives might be affected because now I'm not walking in that crud. I gotta be careful how I say it. I'm not walking in that stuff. Now I'm walking in new life. I'm walking in new life. And how dangerous is that for the kingdom of God? That's what he wants for all of us. Do you know that's what he wants to do? He wants to partner with us. He wants us to be part of advancing his kingdom here on earth. And that's really hard to do when things, when sin and habits and patterns are holding us back, right? There's a training mechanism that some people use. You get this big band and you put it around the guy who's training and he's running and you're trying to hold him back. And that is not fun. It's a whole lot nicer when that band gets cut and you just take off and you run and you're free and you're running faster and stronger than ever before. Throw it off, put it off, get rid of the things that are holding you back. And to do that, we surrender to Christ so that he can do something new in us and his kingdom will advance here on earth. The team is coming. Some have already come. I'm gonna invite them to come. We're gonna sing here another wonderful song about this. And I'm gonna invite you to stand if you would. So we've got a few minutes as we sing this song to pray about this. Some may wanna to come to the altar 
as a, a physical act, a declaration of, of drawing that line and saying, I am gonna surrender completely to the Lord. Lord, I am done with this sin in my life. I'm done with this habit. I'm done with this pattern that I can't stand anymore. I'm asking you, Lord, to help me. I'm giving it to you. I'm not saying take it. I'm saying, God, I'm giving it to you. Help me to walk in it. Help me to throw off the things so that I can walk in obedience to you and have victory. Well, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word of truth. And I thank you that we were not created to live in bondage. We were not created. We were not created to be held back by sins and destruction in our lives. We were created to live in victory for you. And you're a miracle working God. And somebody today may even be saying to themselves, it's gonna take a miracle for me to get past this. It would take a miracle for me to stop doing this or a miracle for me to, to start doing that. And God, I'm asking you for, to perform those miracles today. I'm asking you, God, to do a work in us that only you can do but help us to make the choice to completely surrender ourselves to you so that you can make all things new. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. All God's children said, amen. I'm gonna ask you to hold tight. We're gonna sing here this song. And again, if you need to do some business with the Lord, if you wanna come and pray, we got people that would love to pray with you. Maybe you're saying yes to Jesus today for the very first time. Maybe you've been walking with him for a while, but regardless, Maybe there's just something, and it doesn't even have to be related to what I'm talking about today. But if you need to spend some time with him, we invite you to do that. And then we'll close after we sing this song.